This is the World in Brief from The Economist. Our top stories. Rishi Sunak, Britain's Prime Minister, sacked Nadeem Zahawi, the chairman of the governing Conservative Party, for, quote, a serious breach of the ministerial code. Mr Zahawi, briefly Chancellor of the Exchequer last year, had admitted reaching a settlement with the authorities over previously unpaid tax, reportedly amounting to about £5 million, $6.2 million, including a penalty. He had described the error as, quote, careless and not deliberate. America's top diplomat, Antony Blinken, arrived in Egypt for talks with President Abdel Fattah el-Sisi, elections in Libya and a stalled democratic transition in Sudan are on the agenda. Mr Blinken will continue his three-day trip in Jerusalem on Monday and the Israeli-occupied West Bank on Tuesday, amid a fresh spate of violence between Israelis and Palestinians. A lawyer representing the family of Tyree Nichols, who died after being beaten by five police officers in Memphis, called for police reform in America. Ben Crump said Mr Nichols's killing should, quote, finally get the George Floyd Justice in Policing Act passed. The bill was introduced in 2021 after Floyd's death but has stalled in the Senate. It would restrict the use of force by officers and increase accountability. Adani Group, a conglomerate that underpins swathes of India's economy, issued a 413-page response to a scathing report by Hindenburg Research, a New York investment firm. The report accused the Adani Group of marketing manipulation and accounting fraud, sparking a $48 billion stock market rout. The lengthy retort repeated the conglomerate's denial of wrongdoing and claimed that Hindenburg issued the report in order to book sizeable gains. At least 41 people were killed when a bus crashed into a ravine in Pakistan's southwestern province of Baluchistan. Local authorities suspect that the driver had been speeding or had fallen asleep. Separately, a boat carrying a school trip capsized in the northwest of the country, killing at least 10 children. China will again issue visas to Japanese citizens wanting to visit the country. In January, as China reopened its borders, South Korea and Japan imposed restrictions on visitors coming from the country for fear of a COVID-19 outbreak. China responded by refusing to issue visas to citizens of either country. On January the 27th, South Korea extended its restrictions, which will now last until the end of February. Novak Djokovic beat Stefanos Tsitsipas to win his 10th Australian Open and his 22nd Tennis Grand Slam, equaling a men's record held by Rafael Nadal. The Serbian player returned to the tournament after being kicked out of Australia last year, having refused to be vaccinated against Covid. And fact of the day, $25 billion, the revenue of the listed companies of the Adani Group in the last financial year. And now, here's a deeper look at the day ahead. Israel's heavy-handed response to shootings. 
Israel's far-right government has responded to the worst terror attack against Israeli citizens in 15 years with collective punishment. The family of the Palestinian gunman who murdered seven passers-by in a shooting spree in Jerusalem on Friday night have already had their home sealed as a prelude to its demolition. Similar steps are planned for the home of the 13-year-old who shot and wounded two Israelis on Saturday. Palestinians in Jerusalem found to be involved in terror activity will have their residency rights revoked. Legal and moral qualms aside, these tactics have all been tried with only limited success in the past. But the ministers are playing to their nationalist audience. Likewise, with the incendiary decision by Israel's security cabinet on Sunday to encourage more Israeli civilians to carry guns. Help is unlikely to come from America's top diplomat, Antony Blinken, when he visits on Monday. The last serious American initiative to solve the conflict ended, fruitlessly, in 2014. Germany's economy resists a chill. When Germany unveils the final figure for GDP growth in the fourth quarter of 2022 on Monday, the number, rather like the weather in Berlin, will be somewhere near zero. That is not as bad as it sounds, if, like the German economy, you're well padded. Earlier this month, official statisticians estimated growth for the whole of 2022 at 1.9%, much stronger than most predictions. War in Ukraine, lingering supply hiccups, and surging inflation, especially in energy prices, had made Germany's energy-hungry and export-reliant economy look especially wobbly. It instead proved steady, and with relatively mild weather helping to sink natural gas prices to pre-war levels, well insulated for the medium term. Economists now say that flat growth at the end of last year could prove to have been the low point of the current cycle. Instead of slipping into a shallow recession in 2023, Europe's biggest economy is likely to see modest growth. Rahul Gandhi's Long Walk Back The de facto leader of India's opposition party, Congress, finishes his near 3,500-kilometer Unite India march on Monday. Rahul Gandhi has billed his country-spanning walk as a riposte to the strident Hindu nationalism of the ruling Bhartiya Janta Party, BJP. It is part of an effort to revive Congress's electoral prospects before a general election next year. The former juggernaut of Indian politics has suffered successive humiliating defeats. Such pilgrimages, yatras, have long been a feature of Indian politics. Marches in the 1990s were central to the BJP's rise to prominence. Mr. Gandhi has drawn crowds. He is planning more to galvanize local support. That is sorely needed. Congress controls just three of India's 28 states and less than 10% of seats in the lower house of parliament. Polls say Narendra Modi, the BJP prime minister, is backed by twice as many Indians as Mr. Gandhi. Mr. Gandhi's long walk may be over, but Congress still faces a daunting trek. The Cost of Hurricanes in America Residents of America's Gulf Coast have several months yet before they batten down the hatches when hurricane season starts in June. But their property insurance bills offer a constant reminder of the risk of disaster. 
firms charge homeowners in Florida and Louisiana some of the dearest premiums in the country. Still, insurers are struggling to stay afloat after a run of terrible storms. More than eight went bankrupt in Louisiana last year. Fifteen have gone under in Florida since 2020. The result is that states are reluctantly playing an ever larger role in propping up their insurance markets. On Monday, Louisiana lawmakers will gather for a special legislative session and probably allocate money. Officials have requested $45 million to induce firms to keep operating. They want to limit homeowners' reliance on the state-backed insurer of last resort, lest that undermine the private market, while insisting that premiums stay affordable. But what is affordable for homeowners is not economic for firms. The Opposition's Vision for Turkey Turkey's opposition parties are hopeful about their chances of unseating President Recep Tayyip Erdogan in May, when the country holds both presidential and parliamentary elections. On Monday, they will unveil their manifesto, which includes bringing back the country's old parliamentary system. Executive lawmaking powers were transferred to the president in 2018. Since then, Mr. Erdogan has expanded his grip over Turkey's courts and electoral board. He is also eyeing more constitutional change to enshrine the right of Muslim women to wear the headscarf and to protect family values against, quote, perverted currents. To put a stop to that, the six opposition parties have formed a coalition which will field a single candidate. But they cannot agree on who that should be. The likely choice, Kemal Kilicdaroglu, the uncharismatic chairman of the CHP, the biggest party in the bloc, has led his party to four successive parliamentary election defeats since 2010. The coalition has two weeks left to squabble until a planned announcement. Daily Quiz Our baristas will serve you a new question each day this week. On Friday, your challenge is to give us all five answers and, as important, tell us the connecting theme. Email your responses and include mention of your home, city, and country by 1700 GMT on Friday to quizespresso at economist.com. We'll pick randomly from those with the right answers and crown one winner per continent on Saturday. Monday. Which small hand tool for boring holes is also used to describe a piercing stare? Finally, here's the quote of the day from Gregory Benford. Any technology that does not appear magical is insufficiently advanced. That's The World in Brief from The Economist, available three times every day of the week. You can also hear interviews and analysis from our journalists, including our current affairs podcast, The Intelligence, on your podcast app. And subscribers to The Economist have access to each week's full edition in audio. Just download The Economist app to start listening.